Welcome back to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is LD, and I'm your host of the MBA Insider Podcast and the founder of MBA Schooled. And I'm grateful today because I have um, three really incredible um, black student leaders at MBA programs across the United States who are here to join me um, to talk about um, what's going on on campus in terms of um, how uh, MBA programs are responding to the uh, racial injustices as well as the incidents of police brutality um, in the United States. Um, you know, on campus and what, you know, what's kind of marinating what's happening as well as, you know, how they're um, thinking about it as student leaders and how not only are they responding, but how they're using their time in business school to think uh, more deeply about the role of uh, leaders in business, you know, particularly in terms of the injustices that exist as well as um, what they kind of see in terms of their own careers. And so I have three uh, incredible students who are here with me on this podcast. And so um, I'm going to go and, and just go around and um, have them introduce themselves and then just start, you know, asking some questions. Um, and I'm really excited for this. And so um, the first person I see right now is uh, Kendra. So Kendra, thank you for being here. Um, would you mind just doing a quick intro of um, who you are and, and where you go to school and, and um, if you'd like to share um, what, um, uh, what student organization that uh, you, you are involved in? Sure. Well, thanks again for having me, Alan. Excited to be here today and really excited to uh, share what's going on at Olin and just general thoughts on the times that we're in right now. Uh, so my name is Kendra Kelly. I am a now second year at Olin Business School, uh, which is with Washington University in St. Louis, and I am a consortium fellow. I am president of my student body, the Graduate uh, Business Student Association. I'm also involved with Olin Black and a handful of other organizations, uh, but I think those are the three that I'll highlight today. Great. Thank you, Kendra. Uh, Janique, how about yourself? Would you mind doing another uh, intro of who you are? Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, want to echo, thank you for giving us this kind of opportunity and platform to talk here today. Uh, so my name is Janique Herod. I am a second year MBA student at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, Keenan Flagler Business School. Um, and I serve as the co-president of the Black Business Student Association, along with Ryan Carricker-Ford, who is also on the call here as well. Um, and it also, I am a consortium fellow, so I'm really happy to be surrounded by consortium folks on this call. Great. Uh, Ryan, how about yourself? So, once again, thank you. Uh, I... My name is Ryan Carricker Ford, and I am also a consortium fellow. <laughs> and as Janique said, I serve as the co-president of the Black Business Student Association. I'm also the vice president of diversity for the Consulting Club. I'm the vice president of outreach, learning, and development for the Operations Management Club. I'm the communications chair for the Dean's Fellow. I do a lot of things. <laughs> Is there anything you're not involved in? Well, let's just, let's just, maybe that's a better way to do this. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of things. I, I've never touched IB because I just don't get finance, but. Okay. There's time. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to uh, speak with you all today. I'm, I'm really happy to hear some of the ideas that uh, Kendra's had and hopefully we'll be able to have some dialogue and potentially you can take some things to Owen and we can take some things back to Keenan Flagler. So. Yeah, absolutely. And a definite shout out to the consortium, uh, which is a uh, phenomenal organization that uh, does so much good in terms of providing opportunities 
um, to uh, people of color and underrepresented um, uh, populations. And so um, I was also a consortium fellow. Um, shout out to, to consortium, particularly because they just finished up, I think, their virtual OP this weekend, um, uh, their orientation program for their incoming fellows. But uh, a great organization that's doing a lot of good work out there. Um, so I guess maybe to start, I want to start with Kendra. Um, and so Kendra, I know I noticed it in your LinkedIn profile, but when we were doing the intros before, um, you talked about it a little bit. You were someone who has always been a pretty big advocate and pretty passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so um, in addition to being um, um, you know, you know, a black, a black person, I'm sure that this, uh, given how much you've been involved with these issues for so long, I'm sure this has been uh, this is certainly has been a challenging time. So I guess, you know, maybe just to start, you know, given everything that you've been advocating for, I guess, presume for so long, and given everything that's going on right now, um, you know, what was your kind of, uh, as a student leader, what was your first thoughts in terms of how do I respond? Or like, what do I do? What do I do now? Yeah, I, um, I've seen in past experiences, and I've seen this at Olin as well, that there's strength in numbers. And being a student leader, particularly as president of our Graduate Business Student Association, um, I really thought about what is, what is my role right now and how do, I, um, how do I lead my classmates overall? So not first thinking about what can I say, what can I do? It's more so I was thinking about what can we do and how can I mobilize the troops, if you will. Um, to ensure that we can all be on the same page, have a collective message, and present that in a unified fashion to um, not only our administration, our dean, but also to the entire Olin community. Um, so that's first and foremost what I did. I just started speaking with my different Black classmates, one, checking in, first and foremost, checking in uh, to make sure that they were doing okay and offering support. But then, um, you know, making sure that we were all on the same page and that we wanted to speak out uh, within our community um, and in many ways set the tone uh, because we realized that our, our, I keep saying administration, I used to work in politics, so I think that's just old, old habits carrying through, but um, I realized that uh, the powers that be at Olin were um, slower in, in communicating a message. And so we wanted to be on the forefront and, and really set the tone uh, for the entire community. So I think that's, that's what I did ultimately was how can we come together and present a unified message? And that was ultimately delivered through Olin Black leadership, but in close collaboration with all of the Black students, all of the Black second year students at Olin. Yeah, and I think that's, that's great. And I love the the way that you approached it in terms of thinking about, you know, um, how can we use strength in numbers, but then, you know, what is, what is my role in this? And I'm just curious, whenever you're trying to rally uh, people behind a cause, even if everyone agrees in it and believes in it, there's always, you know, there's always a challenge, right? Particularly when there's lots of people. And so um, how was, how did that process play out? What was that like? Uh, I know it's only been a week or two weeks, so it's not a long time. So I'm sure it was, there was a lot to be done, but could you talk a little bit more about, about that? We have um, an incredible community. We are a small, tight-knit group, um, and we often refer to ourselves as family. We call ourselves the Olin fam, Olin family. And so um, it, 
I think like any relationship with family, it was at times fraught with challenges and we disagreed on our approach. We disagreed on um, the tone that we wanted to convey in our messaging. We disagreed on a whole host of things, but ultimately um, what I tried to do as a leader was ensure that we kept realizing what our goal was and uh, further communicating that we all had the same goal. We were just disagreeing about how we would bring um, to fruition our, our strategies and our plans. And so um, I'm grateful that we're so close because in, in all of our communication, um, we, we were respectful, you know, we, things got heated at times, but we still came together because we knew that this, um, the stakes were high and how we showed up in this moment was going to be important. Um, and so sure it was challenging, but you know, not that much more challenging than the many group projects we've had or challenges that we faced in, in corporate prior to going to business school. So yeah, I think the thing that helped though was ensuring that we were consistently unified around our shared goal, shared goals, really. Mm -hmm. No, totally. And in other podcasts, I have often uh, talked about the value in going to a, an MBA program like an Olin or like a UNC Keenan Flagler that is smaller. Yeah. Uh, then it has more of a community feel. I'm obviously very biased because I I went to one, but I do I do think there's a a lot of value in 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 that to to what you just said, and just in terms of how you refer to yourself as the own the own fam or the own family. Um, and you know, particularly in, in these times, I think that um, having close relationships can be so valuable, even if you're not physically like together. Um, but um, you know, I think. That is, I think that's a unique strength sometimes. Um, while, you know, going to a big school is great too and has many benefits, the, the close-knit and tight-knit community really comes to light, you know, particularly in, in challenging times. Um, I want to go over to Janique and Ryan. Um, so both of you are co-student uh, co leaders, uh, UNC Keenan Flagler. And so um, would love to start with you, maybe Janique, in terms of uh, very kind of a similar question, you know, as a leader of a student organization, you know, what, you know, what role did you feel you had to play and, and how, did, how did you guys respond? So I think for us, we knew we had to respond, but we wanted to be very deliberate and methodical about it. Uh, one of the things that I appreciated is that Ryan and I are co-presidents and we are really each other's checks and balances. So when things started to escalate, Ryan and I got on a phone call, started talking, trying to figure out, okay, what is our response to this? And how do we do this in a way, one, where we focus on our community and then we worry about everything else at play at that point. Um, we wanted to be sure that we allowed people to grieve because I think one of the things that people often overlook is that even though George Floyd wasn't a family member, we are still grieving as a Black community. And we wanted to be sure that we weren't pushing people to quickly respond to things or mobilize at that period in time. We wanted people to feel their anger, their pain, their loss. Um, Ryan and I felt all those feelings for that first week, um, even to a point where I just kind of had to step back and, and take a few days and regroup. Um, once we came to that decision, maybe a week later, okay, it's time to make a statement. 
we wanted to be sure that we use very intentional language to convey our feelings at that point and what are some of the things that we are now going to move forward with. Uh, one of the things that we were trying not to um, do too quickly is issue a statement and then have to do a lot of corrections and, and you know, reissuing things. So we, we took the time to make sure that we crafted a message but also to give our administration some time as well to give a response. And, and like Kendra said, they were very slow in that. And I think there was some disappointment in it, but we understand as leaders sometimes that you just have to um, take charge and not wait on other people to kind of push you to that. And we just went ahead and issued our statement because we know our community wanted it. We knew that our allies needed it and it was something that we had to get in front of. Um, so I'll, I'll open it up for Ryan to add any additional comments, but I think that's how our statement really started and how we thought about it. Yeah, uh, I really don't have that much to add. I think that one of the things that we did fairly early on, and we started this pretty much when classes were moved to the online format, we would just do kind of check-ins, making sure that everyone was okay if they needed to talk about things and reminding people that we were there in, in case they did need someone to talk to. And every person is different. I personally don't really like check-ins. It's not a part of my personality. I don't really vibe that way. I'm, I'm the type of person that if I need help, I'll reach out. So when I have a lot of people that are reaching out to me, it becomes overwhelming for me. And knowing that we wanted to be very intentional and say, if you need to reach out, please feel free to do so. If you want us to reach out to you, let us know. And that was the message that we wanted to convey to other student groups that we want you to give the Black students some time to process their feelings because some people might not know exactly how they feel. One of the, you know, common questions you get is how are you feeling today or how do you how are you feeling right now and that can change in a 30 second span depending on what you watched on the news how you slept if you got on twitter or not and we wanted to convey that in our statement to say we appreciate the outpouring of support that we've received both as an organization and on an individual basis, but we are recommending that you give people some time so that they can figure out what they want to say, how they can say it, and so that they can come to you and say, okay, I really appreciate you reaching out, I'm not really ready to partner on any sort of action right now, but let's plan something for the future. And I think that that was really important 
in conveying because there is a sense that when something happens, you just want to do something so that one, it satisfies this, oh, there's a problem, I need to fix it kind of mentality. But also, it makes it seem as though, oh, okay, we can do something and it'll address this issue. Whereas when you're talking about institutional racism, you can't have an event next week that's going to tackle that issue and say, okay, institutional racism does not exist anymore. Police brutality does not exist anymore. So we were very intentional in our wording. We probably went through maybe four rounds of edits before we actually pushed out our statement because as Janique said, we wanted to be very clear about what we were saying and to convey a sense of being appreciative, but also recommending that people kind of give time when time was needed. Sure. And I think one of the things that, or one of the things I think I'm hearing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but in, to your point, none of these institutional racism isn't going to be solved by a, a town hall. Um, it's not, none of these things are going to be um, by solved by an individual action that's going to be taken in the heat of the moment. Um, so the number one, but the other thing is, is that um, sometimes it, you can't jump to solutions if you haven't thought about and processed what's going on. Um, uh, and, and, and I think that is um, like, it, it, it's just, you, you sometimes, and then people process differently too, right? Um, you know, everyone to your point, you know, some, some people want to be checked in on some people, some people don't, everyone kind of is at moving at their own, own kind of speed. Um, so I, I definitely get that. Uh, Janique, one more question to you. Um, and I think uh, this, uh, this happened, Kendra mentioned this happened too as well, but it sounds like there were other student organizations at Keenan Flacker that were reaching out or that you were engaged with as well. Um, in terms of either they wanted to help or they were asking how can they help or how could they get behind it? I'm just curious, um, you know, what was it like working with them and, and uh, you know, how did that process go and, and, and how were you able to kind of, um, if you were able to kind of collaborate with them, uh, you know, as in addition to kind of, you know, responding? Yeah, so I think one of the things that um, I kind of always knew, but I think it was very amplified during this time is how much people care about us. Um, and I think within the last week, we have seen a number of student organizations like Quib and Christians at Keenan Flagler and the Healthcare Club really stepping up um, and stepping up without our direction because I think a lot of times there is the expectation that even though we as Black people are facing a crisis, we have to come to the table with solutions and programming and things that we need that we need them to do. And I think what we saw is that these clubs took their own initiative and came to us and they said, hey, for example, Quib started doing the fundraising for the NAACP and really making moves and getting their leadership um, behind it and promoting it and getting people to raise funds. Um, we saw Christians at Keenan Flower deciding to just have um, a school white prayer for any denomination to join because they just wanted to use their Christian faith um, and try to support our community at that time. 
Um, we saw the healthcare club trying to understand, okay, what are some of the um, programmings or things that we can do to educate people on racism and what is going on. So we really saw um, an outpouring from the organizations and then also individuals. Um, it's not only the organizations. I've seen so many of my classmates really step up and have strategy meetings and trying to understand what we what they can do to influence the administration. Um, and they really took the lead without us prompting them. I think that was very helpful for Ryan and I and the rest of our e-board because while we were trying to figure out, okay, what did we need to do in terms of statements and all these other things, we had people, we I call them our army at this point, kind of behind the scenes and running things that really had that impact. I think that's great. And for those who aren't aware, uh, Quib, Carolina Women in Business, one of the things that they did was um, they had a a fundraiser to raise money uh, uh, towards the NAACP and uh, they matched donations. I, I believe initially they, they were going to match up to a thousand dollars, but it got so popular that they upped that actually, I believe to 2,500 or another amount. And so, yeah, I think they raised in total 5,000 plus wow. at the end of it all. Yeah. So shout out to Quib. Uh, that was fun, uh, a good display. I think again, of to what you said, uh, an organization reaching out is coming with an idea so that mm -hmm. um, you don't feel like you have to, you know, you shouldn't have to feel like you have to do this all, you know, right. You, and um, on top of everything else you have going on, but coming to the table with something and saying, we think this could be some way to help, you know, what do you think of this? And um, again, back to uh, what you said, you know, the, ar the army and, and having mm -hmm. them and, and the, the army of allies and having them support. So I think that's, I think that's, I think that's phenomenal. Kendra, I want to go back to you for a second. So obviously as a student leader, as you've mentioned, you felt a, a need to respond and a need to take action and a need to play a role. Um, but in addition to that, you know, I'm certainly sure that um, you had your own processing, your own grieving, your own series of emotions that you had to manage as well. And so I'm just curious if you wouldn't, when, when my sharing, you know, how you were able to kind of, you know, balance, I'm sure your desire, you know, as a, as a committed student leader um, to wanting to um, make a difference and to lead others with also just um, probably your own importance of just, you know, um, caring for yourself and your own health and wellness and your own safety and, and the like. Yeah. Um, in a moment of like pure transparency here, I struggled with that pretty significantly. I, um, I, I don't think that I really processed my emotions as grief in at the beginning. And so I was feeling these overwhelming emotions, but didn't really have a name for it. And, and um, I think it hit me around Thursday, Friday at that point, like, oh no, you're, you're grieving for, um, for a multitude of, of things and people. I mean, this is, this is a traumatic experience in many ways. And um, even in the incredible showing of, of allies personally just reaching out, um, each each ping in its in its own way, even though it was well meaning, was was triggering for me. And so um, to have to continue to kind of go through that um, was was challenging to process. Um, and so I really had to compartmentalize 
what I was thinking and feeling, which was a coping mechanism at first that helped. And then it just got so overwhelming that I wasn't doing much of anything very well at that point. So I had to take a step back and figure out how to um, replenish my, my pitcher so I could pour into others. And I think once I realized that I really needed to take a step back and engage in self-care, which I hate as a buzzword, but in that moment, it truly, it was truly needed to kind of get centered and think about what I needed to, to fill myself, uh, to fill my cup and to feel whole and, and as well and as close to that as possible, given all that was happening. Um, that was probably by Friday at that point. And so I didn't start mobilizing my peers until then, until I was feeling whole, before it was more like individual. And I'll be honest, I felt at some points like, was that selfish? Was that poor leadership? I'm not sure. I'm still working through that, to be honest. But um, I knew that I wasn't as effective as I could be until I um, started to um, get back to center or as close as that as possible. I'm grateful that I have really incredible classmates, as I said before, in particular, um, and particularly Black student leaders that were able to um, um, pick up when I needed to take a step back. Uh, but I will say, I, I uh, Janique, what you said earlier about needing to take a step back and and realize that you're grieving and processing. Um, I tried going, going, going at first. It did not work. And so I needed to take a step back um, in order to be effective moving forward. Yeah, I think as, as MBAs, we are all naturally type A's. Right. And we always just have this instinct of, okay, there is a problem. So we need to come up with a 10-step action plan of all the things that we need to do. And we need to find the root cause. And I just felt like in that time for us, we needed to just stop and be like, okay, that is not as what is needed of us right now. Right. Let's take care of ourselves first. So I, I truly connect with that in a lot of different ways. No, I, I think those are, I think, I think those are great points. And one of the things that I always think about is that in order to, to, in order to show up best for your people or just to show up best period, you need to be the best version of yourself. And Sometimes that means to, I love the analogy you gave about, you know, filling your cup, right. And just, you know, um, taking care of yourself first. And particularly, I think when you're in a position of leadership, when you do have to look out for others and care for others and think about others, it's very easy to forget that, you know, it's, it does start, it does start with yourself. And, um, some, you know, sometimes stepping back is what will enable you to, to move forward. And certainly it helps when as you both have mentioned, or all of you have mentioned in terms of having a team around you who can, you know, can compliment you. And, and then I would say also that I would argue that's the same thing for, you know, the, the business world for that matter, right. In terms of uh, do, doing the same thing. Um, so Janika, I want to go to you for a second. And one of the things that we talked a little bit about in uh, before this started was just this idea of um, going to business school to, you know, grow in your career, but also to think bigger about the impact as an individual that you could make either in society or in business or um, in your community. And so I um, would love to maybe have you talk a little bit more about, um, you know, how this being in, being in business school right now, even with the challenges that exist, 
in the world um, can be a good experience to help you get closer toward that goal that you had mentioned in terms of being able to have that bigger impact one day? So I think for me, business school has really taught me the skill of drilling down into things um, and really understanding strategies. So part of fixing the, I guess, getting a solution is really understanding the root cause. Um, And that is not only in a business context where if something is broken out of company, it's for instances like this where we have institutional racism and inequality across the board, whether in corporations, schools, things like that, and really understanding, okay, what is the root cause of this and what are some of the things that we can do to make this better? So I would say even on a smaller scale, just being in the business school, a business school is still almost like a corporation and it is set up with, you know, your leaders at the helm and then your students, which are, we can compare to employees. Um, and some of the issues that we are facing, we are really sitting down as black students, as a community and saying, okay, what is the root cause? Is it um, lack of education? Is it an admissions problem? Is it what are the things that are really contributing to this? And then we kind of break this down into like, all right, what are the things that we as students can feasibly attack um, and how we could improve that? And I think that really speaks to us making that impact, whether regardless of how small it is, because again, we're in business school and we're going out to be future business leaders, as you said, and it's not only about this social corporate responsibility and you know reducing greenhouse effects and all of that stuff it really also extends to making sure that your board of directors is equally represented across the board or making sure that you don't have that one black employee in leadership position and you're calling that diversity um so we're really making sure that we dig deep and we make that impact and use a lot of the skills and the, the learning techniques that they're teaching us in business school, not only to solve problems, but to really make a difference in making sure people feel included, welcome, and really part of you know, the overall community. Can I add something? Uh, I, I 100% agree with what Janique said, and it wasn't until she said it where something clicked. While the business school model is somewhat set up like a business, I realized like the students aren't the employees. The employees are the employees. The students are the consumer. And I I think that what what is happening right now is a national outcry. It's an international outcry. I saw today that there have been protests all all across the globe but we're specifically talking about business school because that is the environment in which we are operating in if we were in industry we would be talking about it in that context if we were in undergrad we would be talking about it in that context so that's the sphere that we're all operating in and some of those same issues exist across the board doesn't really matter what sphere you're actually talking about. We could be talking about government, we can be talking about financial services, we can be talking about consulting, we can be talking about operations, like anything. 
some of these things will exist and persist no matter how much work you try to do on the individual, on the systems, on the institutions. But getting back to the, the original point was we as students are in a unique position because we're paying for this. Like they are providing a service and when a service is not up to a certain standard, you either return the product or you complain so that the service gets better. You can't really return an education. So your, our only recourse is to demand a change or the betterment of the system in which we're all operating. And it, it wasn't until Janique said what she said, but I thought about it, it was like, no, I am the consumer. I my job is to be a student. I left my full-time job to do a two-year MBA because I wanted to have access to that network, to develop those skill sets, and I'm paying for it. So I, I, I think that as students, we need to remember that we are paying for a service and if the service or the institution that we are paying is not living up to what we as the consumer believe they should be doing then it is our right it is our responsibility to address that issue to say this is my expectation, and this is how you have failed to meet that expectation. You need to address this. And, and it goes to, to something else. I, I feel that as Black people, there have been a lot of people that have reached out to ask me what they can do. And I understand to a certain extent, you want to defer to someone that is having that experience to say, how can I individually help you? But at the same time, by asking Black people how to address racism, you're asking the victims of racism how they can fix racism. And it's just, while we might have suggestions and we might have some really good ideas, we need to engage with our allies and say, okay, we appreciate that you want to engage. We appreciate that you want to do something, but asking us how to fix it is one, not what you should be doing in the immediate aftermath of tragic events, but two, it can be triggering to Kendra's point. And three, sometimes we just don't know. Give us a chance to think, to process, and, and think about things on your own. And perhaps once you have some sort of idea, bring it and say, hey, I just want a sounding board. I just want to have someone in the room that can say whether this makes sense. Is this offensive? Is this tone deaf? Because sometimes that's really all you need. And whether the the 
program or whatever your idea is, whether it flops or not, that is a flip of the coin. But you won't have so many issues if you have someone in the room at the table that is there, that has the power to say, yes, no, tweak this, think about that, come back when you have had an opportunity to look at this in another way. Yeah. And I would just like to ahead. add fast that um, to Ryan's point, where students today and and consumers today and alumni tomorrow and so um really infusing that into the conversation as well that you know we are the people that you're going to draw upon in a year from now and beyond to not only give back monetarily but also give back in terms of our our resources our professional network etc and we um it's almost this idea of, of um, how dare you come to us in need and yet we can't come to you in need, right? And so um, that's part of, to Ryan's point, that's part of our, our messaging as well, that um, yes, we're students, but we are consumers and we will be alumni in the future. Um, and so hear us. Um, hear us now and we don't want to keep repeating ourselves um, but to that end it's challenging because in higher ed you're looked at as students you're not typically looked at as consumers and so there's this idea almost of like how dare they <laughs> how dare they talk to us like this how dare they demand things um, and that's something that I don't have any answers for, but it is, it's been a challenge, um, yeah. not just in this, in, in what we're working through now, but in, in previous challenges as well. It's, it's difficult. Um, and so, yes, we can demand all day that we're, we're consumers. And again, that's the messaging that we're using, but um, there is a larger system at play that isn't quick to view us as such. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to go back to something that Ryan uh, had said, because I think it is, is top of mind. And I, I've, uh, as an ally, I've, I've heard it a lot from other allies of, to what you said of, you know, people coming and saying, you know, what can I do or how should I respond? And um, in the best case, it can be well-intentioned in wanting to genuinely know, but what it doesn't acknowledge is the fact of, particularly in the world of how easy it is to find information these days that it's there. Like you can, you can put in your own work, um, they, you can put in your own work to find it, right? Like to come up with an idea, like it's, 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 it's there, right? Or you can, you and your, you and your other allies can, can go and f can c come up with an idea. Like, um, like, yes, like engage, black, to your point, engage, engage the right people at the right time. Like once you've come up with your own idea, but it shouldn't, the onus shouldn't be on all of you to have the answers, right? It's. And I, and I, I think sometimes, not all the time, but I think a lot of times because a lot of us genuinely just haven't put in enough of the work, we feel scared from wanting to come and come up with the answer on our own. We don't, or we don't feel like we can because, uh, you know, cause we're, we're not black or because we haven't, we haven't done the research. And so the easiest way out is to go ask the people that we know who are feeling it. And, and so like what I've been challenging you know, my friends and other allies is, 
um, before you go, I mean, you should, I, I think, you know, if you truly care about your friend and you want to check in with them, that's one thing. But like, before you go asking people for what the answers are, start with your own home, like with your own homework, because um, there are a lot of potential solutions that have been thrown out out there. And a lot of people who've been advocating for them for a really long time, we're not starting at, at ground zero. Like there's, 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 and you know, like there's somewhere you can go like first, and that shouldn't always have to be like you, the 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 um the person who's being oppressed shouldn't have to be the one to come up with with all the answers on their own. Um, yeah, I yeah. I mean this might be a little trivial, but I I compare it to preparing for an interview. Like yeah. you prepare for that interview and you Google and you do your yeah. research beforehand yeah. before you show up. Yeah. Um, so I think that yes, while and I, I said this kind of like the first week all this happened, like. I no longer want to be an educator for people who want to learn about racism, type it in Google and figure it out. And it's, it, I didn't say that to be insulting, but I said that as we all are trained to do our homework and this is no different. Yeah. Yeah. The other um, more tongue in cheek response, but not false responses. Uh, so here's my Venmo account and here's a bill and sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, I think the, the point about this all is to start getting educated because things are being thrown around and yeah, there's information available, but I think we have to stop with this, you know, 10 minute soundbite or we listen to stuff, but really read, get knowledgeable, start understanding, um, yeah. and that's where we'll start seeing the impact. Right. And, and also, I mean, not to... I really do want to make this about you, but the last thing I'll say about this, just because it's come up a lot, um, you as an ally, like you asking, what can you do to go and take an action to make you feel better is not the intent of this. Um, the intent of this is for you to to be educated and understand the repeated and consistent things you need to do so that you can play a role in, in when it does come time for the solution. Like this is not like a, a one a one time thing, right? But your your donation is a good step, but like that's that's not where it, that's where it starts. Like it's it's not where it where where it stops, and it can't it can't be, um, because um, for many for many of you, like you can't stop thinking about it because it's it's your it's your life. And as allies, like we we can't be ex we can't go in with the notion that this is the this is the one thing that I I like I do and then I'm done. Um, so anyway, I'll get off my, my soapbox, but, uh, going back, uh, Kendra, uh, one of the things, as I mentioned earlier, um, you had mentioned you're, you know, someone who's passionate about DE and I, and someone who's been working on this, you know, for a while, but as you, as you think about, um, you know, the future workplace that you will enter, you know, upon when you, you know, graduate, I'm just, uh, I'm just curious, um, how, uh, like how should how what I want to ask is like what like what should MBA students be thinking about now? You know, as they think about, you know, these are, you know, this is this is something that impacts to Ryan's point. This is this is not just about um you know what's happening in like this is this happened, this impacts every industry, any every company. Um, but you know, how as someone who has um been passionate about these issues, I'm just curious, you know, how should MBA students be thinking about um when they re-enter the workforce and like what, you know, what is there, you know, what's, what happens then when you get to work? Like, um, 
you know, what role should you be playing or what, what should you be doing so that um, you can create a better environment for um, uh, the people, uh, your, your colleagues, um, the people in your community, everyone else. Yeah, I, I think about this um, in, in tiers almost. So <clears throat> tiers is in levels, not as in tiers. Mm, right. <laughs> um, so the first level would be, you know, you're, we're fresh into our tenure at the company as newly employed um, MBAs. And I would say, um, really think about this as what can you do in your day-to-day -day actions. Um, so, you know, there's a culture within your company and there are resources, hopefully, like ERGs and, and other, um, perhaps other opportunities. That said, really think about how you can create a culture of change within what you're doing. Um, are you being inclusive as an employee? Are you um, kind of going to the same people for um, you know, ideas, consultation, and not really thinking about diversity of thought and realizing that you could be leaving someone out that could have um, a different perspective than yours that could help enhance what you're doing? Like, are you personally bringing qualities of diversity, equity, and inclusion into your work? and into the way that you engage with your, your colleagues. Uh, from there, um, as you start to um, become successful and grow uh, within your role, how are you um, building your, your um, rapport and in doing so becoming a voice for diversity, equity, and inclusion. So thinking about as you're building your team, really, as you're now in charge of hiring, as you are, um, as you are essentially helping the company grow, are you thinking about diversity, equity, and inclusion in your strategies, um, specifically hiring? And, and then mentorship uh, would be another level of that. So are you, are you, um, I will, I'll just speak for me, I fully intend to be a mentor for underrepresented minorities, um, and in particular, black women who want to um, rise within the company, who want to get their MBAs, who are in their MBAs, et cetera. As I grow in my career, I want to be a resource to them. And so um, that's just kind of my personal commitment, and I'm hoping that other MBAs are willing to do something similar in with a bend towards diversity, equity, and inclusion. But I think just to sum it up, it really begins with you. Are you modeling those practices at your, at your job? Are you um, thinking about ways that you can infuse DEI into everything that you do? And then as you, and when I say everything you do, it's, yes, it's building your team, but it's also assessing work product. If you're in charge of building something, are you taking in diverse perspectives, um, et cetera. And then as you are building your team, are you doing so with diversity, equity, and inclusion in mind, and really understanding the difference between diversity, equity, and inclusion? Um, and then as you continue to grow and you become even more senior and have more um, rapport and, and a say within your company, are you using your power, if you will, wisely and, and mentoring those 
um, to continue on in with this effort towards uh, building more diverse, equitable, and inclusive workspaces. No, I think that I think that's great. Um, uh, Janique, I want to go back to you for a second. Um, you know, I think that one of the one of the benefits of taking on a student leadership role, um, like the ones that you all have taken on, is is the chance to, I guess, learn and grow and develop skills that will be valuable, um, you know, wherever you go. And I'm sure you were already on your way to developing them uh, bef uh, before the past couple of weeks. But certainly, I think just in terms of res um, your response, I'm sure you've had to kind of um, uh, also learn new, even new skills or you've grown in new ways. I'm just curious, um, you know, over the past couple of weeks, you know, is, if you have any learnings or um, or if you've been challenged in any ways or just, you know, how, what, um, how, you, you know, how, how you've kind of grown through this experience, even if it is, has been really challenging. Um, for me, I think that I've learned to listen more. And even when I don't agree with things, I don't make it about me saying, okay, I don't agree with this. So this can't happen. Um, like I mentioned, Ryan and I are really checks and balances. And of course, there is always going to be a difference of opinion. But I think for me, as Kendra said, diversity of thought is important. And I may think about something one way, Ryan may think about something the other way, or eboard may think about something a different way. And I think with all of the perspectives that have been coming my way over the last two weeks, because I can tell you there have been many perspectives. Um, I've been slow to respond because I want to be sure that it is not an emotional response because I think sometimes emotional responses fail you and you have to really think about it logically and making sure that it is beneficial to all. Um, so for me, it has really forced me to take things in, think about them, listen to the different perspectives and choose the best solution for all and everyone within our community. Um, so typically before, you know, I would make a decision sometimes and like I would have, you know, very few facts about it. But as leaders, we're like, OK, we have enough information where we can make a decision and we move on. But I think now it's something that is so sensitive, so impactful. Um, and that can really change the way that we move forward. I'm a little bit slower to action. I'm more deliberate. It's not that I'm not engaged, but I think that we have to be very careful about how we go about that process. So I'm training myself when I get an inflow of information, read it, think about it, talk it over with people, get that perspective and then make a decision. And I think that will be helpful for me in my career moving forward and making sure that I get all the perspectives and don't just hold my own or maybe two other people as, okay, this is the solution and this is what we move forward with. I think that's great. Ryan, uh, would you like to uh, share anything as well, just in terms of, you know, if there's any learnings or um, uh, anything you've gained as a result of being in a leadership position over the past few weeks? I think the biggest thing that I've learned is to separate myself from the organization. So, you know, BBSA has an official statement that they've issued. And while Janique and I are the presidents, and some would argue the face of the BBSA, Ryan 
separately can say and do things and knowing that what one does can impact the other and to try as best I can to separate them as much as possible. And I think that that is a little more difficult. I, I Leadership is kind of that a uh, mantle that's thrust on someone and they're never really prepared for it. Although they say they are, they might think that they are, they might've been training their entire life for it. But once you get it, there will always be something that you are not prepared for. So I think that for me, it is very much a learning experience. And I, I am lucky that Janique and I are doing this together because there might be times where I don't have a clear enough picture and I'll want to either react or not react. So having someone else there that can say, okay, well, let's think about it this way and just go from there has been invaluable. But also being able to think about ourselves as individuals as opposed to co-presidents. You know, there's all these different hats and sometimes you're wearing them simultaneously, sometimes you're wearing them individually. So knowing when, okay, Ryan is not being co-president of BBSA right now, Ryan is speaking for Ryan. And, and I, I think it's a, a delicate balance and I, I'm pretty sure given the, the world that we live in, most people are used to that. You know, an organization will have an official stance and then individuals within the organization can pretty much say or do whatever they want, but the organization is going forward with its mission as well. And I think that that was a really important lesson to learn, and I'm still learning it, on how to, that it's okay to be an individual separate from the organization. And to kind of learn that fairly early on is, I think, very beneficial going forward you know, planning for the next year mm -hmm. and being able to say, okay, I can still have my opinions. I can say things, I can do things and it will not affect what BBSA is doing. Sure. Sure. Great. Well, um, I want to give uh, one last word to, to all of you. Uh, so feel, uh, feel free to kind of use it, you know, how you wish, but I guess, um, Kendra, maybe uh, I'll start with you since, I'm looking at you right now. Um, anything else you want to add? Uh, anything else you want to say um, before we uh, before we wrap this up? Sure. Well, first, thanks again, Al. This has been um, a really enriching discussion. Janique, Ryan, it's it's been great to hear about the work that you're doing and will continue to do. And I'm definitely going to be following up to learn more and just um, stay in touch. Uh, there's there's immense value in in our MBA network, and so um, allow me to lean into it and and tap into your brains. 
Um, this has been a really challenging experience to Ryan's point. You know, you sign up to be a leader and um, in some respects you're, you're prepared, you're, you're ready to go. And then um, as I like to say, we plan and God laughs. And this is, um, you know, it's, it's been in many ways a, a challenging experience of trying to figure out, well, I think this is the right way to handle it. And then something else, something happens, you're like, wait a minute, no, we need to reassess. And um, I've thought about that personally, just with kind of how I want to move forward. And then as well as um, move forward as a group and as a unified force. Uh, but one thing I'm sure of is that we will get through this. Um, it's, it's been so encouraging to see allyship, allyship and, and support and um, I'm hopeful, more hopeful now than I think I've been in a very long time that if we really come together and that form of support is consistent, um, even when things, you know, perhaps die down, you know, um, of course, that's not typically something that we have the luxury of experiencing, but, um, you know, when protests aren't dominating the news story, when, um, you know, Mr. Floyd is laid to rest and when this may not be at the forefront of our allies' minds, if they are still willing to take up this mantle and amplify our messages and be that support, um, I think that we together will be forces uh, to be reckoned with. That is my hope. That is my hope. When people ask me what is different this time than other times before, it's the outpouring of support from allies. So I'm really trying to figure out ways that we at Olin can mobilize the great support that we've received thus far and um, you know, even more support that we hope to receive in the future to institute strategies that bring about meaningful changes at Olin in the St. Louis community and beyond. Um, so thank you again for, for bringing us together. Um, and uh, that's my hope. That's, that's what I'm hoping for. Thank you. Uh, Janique, how about you? Any last words? Yeah, sure. So I think part of being in service is always saying thank you. So I really want to echo Kendra's uh, comments about you all using your platform to really help us voice, you know, what we're doing um, and, and really start this dialogue and conversation. Because again, if we want to see this impact, it's about dialogue, it's about education, it's about getting the knowledge out there. Um, one of the things I would say now is that for me, leadership has really taken a new form. I think before we kind of just had this conventional idea of, you know, leadership and you're at the helm um, and it's sometimes about recognition if you do really good things. But for me, leadership has shifted towards more of a in-service model. And I think even for us as BBSA, we always say in leadership and service. Because at the end of the day, it's not about me being co-president or all these different things. It's really sh making sure that we use our leadership to make things better for people, for our community, because that is the only way that we can move forward. Um, so for me, I am really thankful for being a leader during this time, 
um, when we all signed up for this, I don't think we ever envisioned that our roles would shift like this. Um, and like Ryan said, we're never always prepared as leaders, but I think for us, we have just kind of shifted and changed gears and leaned on each other to really make that impact moving forward. So really want to thank everyone, our allies, our classmates, the people that have really championed for us and will continue to champion for us. And I'm really looking forward to continue serving and leading. Thank you. Uh, Ryan, any last words from you? I want to say thank you again, Al, for giving us the opportunity to come on today. I, I, I think that to kind of echo Kendra's point, I am leaving with a, a hope that this becomes kind of a watershed moment where the discussions about not only race and, and allyship are being brought to the forefront and they're being talked about in a way where it's not something as abstract. It is something that is real, that we are all dealing with, and it is a collective issue that we will wind up on one side of history and I hope that the majority of people wind up on the right side of history. I also think that it has, or it is spurring a new level of activism, not necessarily just on uh, our college campuses, but in cities, states, other countries, where people that might not have normally participated in political actions are realizing that this is something that either could affect them or is affecting some aspect of their world. And to take that activism and to use it to make the world a better place. And if you can't change the entire world, then you change the world in which you live in. And I think that my greatest hope is that these incidents and these conversations can become something more like a rarity. When they happen, there is an outcry, but not to where there is an inability to find the names of every black person that has been murdered by the police in the last 30 years because the data doesn't exist. I was thinking about it the other day. We've become so desensitized as a country, as a society to police brutality, to the police murdering Black people, the same way we've become so desensitized to shootings in public places, in schools, that it is something that is, it's disheartening. So I really hope that this can become a turning point 
where there are a series of reforms and civic actions and people working together to make significant changes to the systems that exist so that our children and grandchildren are not living in a world that very much looks the same way it did 20 or 30 years ago. If you can look back to the 80s and say, oh, well, those same things are happening today, then that shows that while technology has gotten better, we as a society are failing. And to address that in a way that is significant, I genuinely hope that we all take this as a rallying cry so that we can make the world better. Great. Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.